It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Conan does come up with a puck on the right wing. He dumps it in with 25 seconds left in regulation. Sharks three, Blue Jackets three. Work free off the skate. Barabana put it off the skate of Eklund. Too bad. If he gets that, he could make a play. Said the Blue Jackets tried to make the play. Bit ahead to Jenner. He gets the move on Ruder. Goes in with the back hit, and he scores! Oh my goodness. Boone Jenner just wins it for Columbus with 12.9 seconds to go. Only a miracle will get the Sharks back in this game. It's 4-3 Columbus, and the captain of the Jackets gets it done. How does this happen? I have no idea. Vlasic is the left defenseman, and he goes from the left side all the way over to the right boards. Like he's playing man-on-man. I have no idea where he's going, and that makes Ruta have to come all the way back down the middle of the ice. Jenner's got one little step on him, and for whatever reason, he finds a hole on Capo Kakinen, and I don't know how he did it. He had no chance to really get a shot off. He puts it on the ice on a backhand, a terrible shot, and it finds a hole. Tough way to lose. Tough way to lose, and certainly didn't love our start at all. I thought we were really loose, and... I think if Johnny could draw three breakaways, it's just inexcusable in the first period. I thought we got better as the game went on. You know, get a good power play goal, tie it up, and then, you know, pretty even third period, up and down, and uh, just, you know, we talked about situational hockey this morning and just another opportunity for us to play smart, and uh, and we didn't. We, we lose F3 in the O-zone, and we get beat up ice. And, you know, just... Uh, that was a story of the night when we were struggling. That's what happened, right? The breakaways, the almost breakaways. We just, you know, we're watching the puck way too much and not really paying attention to the nine bodies on the ice. So we've got to do a better job in that area. Oh, that was brutal. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing as this is a Sunday morning and the San Jose Sharks are coming off what feels like a particularly painful loss where you felt like they were going to get a point out of that one and they were 12.9 seconds away from earning a point and unfortunately they gave up the game winner did not have the miracle answer in the waning moments of the game and walk away with a 4-3 loss to Columbus on a night where Anthony Duclair was humming with a pair of goals Fabian Zetterland uh, had his 15th goal of the year and Kapo Kakinen had mostly a good night, just some pucks that really got past him. There was one where he was screened. There was one where he was pulled one direction, had to come diving back the other side. And one of the things that I thought about right after that final goal was scored was it was, quote-unquote, one of those nights. And I mean that in the sense that, you know, Anthony Duclair's first goal was a puck that he kind of lost control of and it ended up going five-hole, and that was just one of those lucky bounces. His second goal was kind of uh, tipped off the post back into his skate stick area, went in. And he got fortunate two times 
on those goals. And then Fabian Zetterlin, he healed his shot, and that was one that just kind of went to the right place at the right time, was not solid contact, and he was able to find the opening because the Sharks did a really good job of moving the uh, puck from one side of the ice to the other, which you credit all the little things in that, and you're asking questions of the defense and you're making things happen. But I look at the fact that, you know, that final goal from Boone Jenner, that was one where the Sharks' defense did not respond correctly, um, and you had that puck just trying to kind of trickle through Capo's legs. And again, was one of those nights. So let's take a look back at this game, a wild one, um, including a sequence in the first period where Johnny Gaudreau was uh, Johnny Breakaway. Philip Sedina gained the offensive zone, but as he tees up to shoot it, it went off a stick and went wide. Zach Wierenski, headman feet. This is going to be a breakaway for Johnny Gaudreau. He's into the zone. He waits. He digs. He shoots. And he had the open net. He missed it because of Kalen Addison, I think, got back. Maybe a little piece of it with a stick. And it does not go into the net. Sharks have a three on two the other way. Granlin down the left wing side. Throws it across the rink. The one-time shot by Zadina just went wide. Oh, rebound. Uh-oh. A giveaway. <laughs> it's going to be another second chance. A breakaway for Gaudreau. He goes in and he shoots. And that one went off the iron and went wide. Rebound. Kekin in the save. And he's able to hold on. No, he doesn't. He drops it back behind his own net. And what a wild game we've got going here at the Shark Tank. That was when I realized it was going to be one of those games, one of those nights, whatever you want to call it. Just that kind of, you know, wild play where things are just happening back and forth. And there were a lot of moments to there during the game when it was that open play and back and forth. And both these teams, they're not at the top of the NHL for a reason. They will give you opportunities. And both teams gave each team multiple opportunities. Anthony DeClaire did not let his early opportunity go to waste. Now a turnover. Corrali lost it. Could be a breakaway. The Sharks move in with Duclair. Stick handle shoots. Star! Anthony Duclair didn't really shoot the puck. He made a little deep, and then he lost control of it, but it slipped through the legs of Merzlikens. Anthony Duclair does not care how it goes in. It's his 10th goal of the year, and the Sharks are up 1-0. I believe the quote from Drew Remenda on the TV broadcast was, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, but I will say that that's one of those instances in which Anthony Duclair is forcing the issue. He's taking the puck into a dangerous space. He's coming with a head full of steam right at the goalie. Something is bound to happen at that point. Something did happen, and the San Jose Sharks were able to find themselves with an early one nothing lead. But after that, uh, they really didn't play you know amazing hockey in any way, shape, or form. It was okay hockey, but it was not the type of hockey where the Sharks were really giving themselves Great opportunities to win the game. They found themselves behind 2-1. But credit to the Sharks, they did not stop coming. Anthony Duclair gets the Sharks back into it with a strike to make it 3-2. Three unanswered goals for Columbus. Here comes a headman feed. It's a man down the right, settling across the line. Lead pass moving in. Duclair, stick handle, shoots. He scores! Anthony Duclair gets his second goal of the game. Another spectacular one. Great feed by Fabian Zetterlund to end a six-game pointless drought, and the Sharks make it 3-2 very quickly. Once again, a situation there where the Duke maybe got a little bit of a fortunate bounce, but he again was forcing the issue. I would rather the Sharks continue to put themselves in opportunities where they can get lucky bounces, as some might say, or just a fortunate break or just kind of a crazy play, as opposed to what we saw versus Winnipeg, where they simply did not do anything offensively and lost one nothing on a night where Kapokakinen was really, really good. And I don't think last night that Kakinen was particularly bad or anything like that. I think it's fair to say that he didn't catch the breaks, but for the most part, uh, he was not what I was viewing as the problem and I thought that for a lot of the game, he was keeping the Sharks in it when they weren't playing great hockey. And that was 
Another thing, when we flash back at the Sharks' defense in that first period, uh, when they gave up a couple of goals just about 90 seconds apart, that's something we've seen all year long. The Sharks have these lapses where you can tell they are not performing at as high of a level, where they're just a little bit distracted mentally, not able to focus in, not able to really pull themselves together. And I understand that happens in a year like this where nothing is really quote-unquote going your way, but it's something they need to rectify going forward to the future. And you can make an argument that also with the goal that was overturned, that was a period where the Sharks let the game get away from them and they could never really take command of it, even though they were able to come back and tie it up, courtesy Fabian Zetterland. It's rolling, but it's stopped by Addison on the point. Sends in deep. Eklund reached it, couldn't get it as he reached out. Came all the way around near side. Nice play there by Zetterland off the boards to Duclair. Now to Granlin, now to Addison, now across the ice. And Zetterland shoots and scores! Tic-tac-toe! A spectacular goal by Fabian Zetterland to tie the game on the power play with 4.31 to go in the second. It's 3-3. At that point, I thought that the way the game was going with the scoring picking up with both teams uh, being wide open at times, I thought we were going to be in for a, uh, well, a different end to the game. Uh, I thought it was going overtime for sure, but I expected a couple more goals to be added on. I was thinking we were going to be 5-5 after the end of the third and maybe going 6-5 for the game winner, but that was not the way it was. Both teams had chances throughout the third period, but neither was able to find the breakthrough. Uh, there were some nice plays by made by both goalies. There were some overall interesting hockey being played, but at the same time, you were seeing why both these teams were, uh, well, in the place they were over the course of the season. There were some poor decisions that were made. Uh, there was some lackadaisical puck management. There were just some things over the course of the third period that weren't great, and unfortunately for the San Jose Sharks, you did see that Columbus was able to find that breakthrough with, uh, well, just under 15 seconds remaining. Sharks three, Blue Jackets three. Work free off the skate. Barabana put it off the skate of Eklund. Too bad. If he gets that, he could make a play. Instead, the Blue Jackets tried to make the play. Fit ahead to Jenner. He gets the move on Ruder. Goes in with the backhand, and he scores! Oh, my goodness. Boone Jenner just wins it for Columbus with 12.9 seconds to go. Only a miracle. We'll get the Sharks back in this game. It's 4-3 Columbus, and the captain of the Jackets gets it done. And at that point, you feel that whatever good had been done by the San Jose Sharks up to that point of the game had really just uh, had slipped away. That was uh, an unfortunate way for it to end, an unfortunate way for the Sharks to walk away with not even a point. I know that there are many of you that are saying, hey, that's fine. You got to go out there and get Macklin Celebrini or have as many balls in the hopper as is possible. And so we will see what happens next for the San Jose Sharks as they continue on in this uh, tough season. And I know that we knew what it was going to be when we started the season. It was not going to be a fun or even, you know, dynamic, far-reaching season. We knew there was probably going to be a lot of losing on the line. Uh, but losses like last night's, I don't know, that one felt uh, particularly painful because it looked like even despite some of their poor play, they were going to be able to do enough to get a point. You get it into overtime where anything can happen. But they never got it to that point because Boone Jenner found the back of the net with barely any time left and really no time to get anything else done. We are going to get into some post-game reaction on the other side, and we're going to talk to Brody Brazil. That's all coming up next on Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge-watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. 
Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Randlin chips it forward. Morensky flicks it toward the empty net. It's wide. We're down to eight seconds left. You better hurry up, Barabanov. No messing around. Drops it off for Grandlin. Looks to get it back. We're down to five seconds. Two, one. They're out of time. Horn sounds. And the Columbus Blue Jackets have come up with a very important victory for their morale. As they were up 3-1, to one, were in danger of blowing a lead for the 23rd time this season, which would lead the NHL. But they found a way to get it done, and with 12 point some seconds left in the game, at 1947, Boone Jenner gets his 17th from Johnny Gaudreau, and the Blue Jackets win 4-3. to three. What a disappointment. Yeah, disappointment tonight, Dan. It's a good hockey game. Yeah, a little bit loosey-goosey. Coaches aren't going to like it. Um, might be a bunch of things, you know, it's still, you know, we played three and four out of the gate, so I just think we were mentally, didn't think we were mentally sharp tonight, I didn't think we really had a lot of attention to details, and we didn't really play with a conscience tonight, you know, it was uh, kind of free will in hockey too often tonight, but give them credit, they played well, they were good. They've lost a lot of close games this year. I mean, they got big, strong, good players. I mean, they, they played well. Part of our problems was them. I don't want to take anything away from them. Welcome back on Morning Tide here on a Sunday morning. David Quinn talking about just many of the factors that maybe played into the Sharks not playing as tight a game as they needed to. One of those factors that we saw time and time again in this game, including the game winner for Columbus, was the Sharks having trouble down the spine and working against the breakaway. Mario Ferraro weighed in after the game. Yeah, they play with a lot of speed. Um, you know, as soon as we you know take a shot in the ozone, uh, they like to try and look for a chance to get up ice and. Uh, they had a few of those in uh, the first period that obviously, like you said, they were, they were no good for us. And I mean, um, I think like from what I remember, that's kind of what happened on the last goal. But um, I don't know. I, th- I I really thought that we you know played pretty hard tonight. It's a good thing about it. And uh, but yeah, um, can't really give those up. But I mean, it happens too. They gave us a couple uh, as well on the breakaway um, with Dukey with a couple like breakaways or semi-breakaways there so um it was a pretty fast game there's a lot of that um but we just got to do our part and do a better job and um uh, you know playing a little tighter and not giving those up Ferraro also weighed in on the two goal night from anthony duclair um you know on the ice it's, it's kind of his jump the jump that he has to his game that offensive jump and that speed you know that he showed tonight is kind of what he's like in or off the ice too and in, in the locker room uh he brings that that good laughter and that 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 energy. Um, you know, even when times may be tough. Uh, you know, even in days that you know it's it's a little harder and uh, to get for maybe a tough loss the night before. He's always he's always back in the rink the next day, ready to to bring the energy and, and bring the laughter. And you know, we love him in our locker room and, and on the ice for his play. And with Duclair, I think that. It feels like there's a lot more that's been left out there in terms of his game over the course of the year, but he sure looked exactly like the player the Sharks hoped he would be last night, and hopefully he can do more of that going forward throughout the remainder of the season. And he spoke about the emotional roller coaster that this game was. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously not the start that we wanted, obviously. Uh, but giving up, I think, it was three or four breakaways there in the first. Um, you know, Coppola uh, held us in there, you know, kept it a tight game. And I think we picked it up a little bit in the second and, and third there. And um, I think, you know, obviously tie game going to the last few minutes there in the, in the, in the game could have go, gone either way. But, um, you know, it's obviously tough to lose the way we did. Duke also talked about what he wants to do more of on offense. I'm going to use my speed, um, getting open areas, obviously playing with 
two guys that can, you know, move the puck really well. And, um, you know, for myself, I just want to get in those open spaces, create, uh, you know, uh, chances for, for my guys. And, um, yeah, I think we're, we're building a lot of chemistry these past few games. All right, on the other side, I'm going to chat with Brody Brazil of NBC Sports California. You're on Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. All right, we've got Brody Brazil joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. Brody, of course, the host of Pre and Post Live on NBC Sports California. Uh, Brody, you wanted to go on a rant to start? You got the memo, huh? Yes. So the Cali Finn jerseys are the fourth black primary color iteration um, in, in Sharks franchise history. And we've had, what, the black armor jerseys. We had the stealth jerseys. And how do I say it about the three prior versions? They were okay. They never got to me. But I really like what I saw tonight in the Cali Finn jerseys being worn for the very first time. And I think it's some of the textures that go with it. Because let's be honest, Ted, any sports team can have a black colored jersey. Because black goes with every other color. I mean, your team colors could be fuchsia and green. Doesn't matter. You can have a black jersey. So for San Jose to have the primary colors of what teal, gray, and white with some black in there, and I guess some orange, depending some. on depending on uh, what era we're talking about here. I really like the fact that uh, they they integrated the black with some textures, and I think this black jersey is the best one they've done by far. It's the well, no, I own the other ones too, but it's the only one I'll definitely be keeping with me for sure. <laughs> I was always hesitant whenever I see a new uniform uh, for any team, whether it's new sweater in hockey, new jersey in football, whatever. Uh, and when I finally saw it in person, when they had Capo and Logan and I can't remember, it was Nico. Nico Sturm, right. Um, I said, you know what? That actually looks pretty good. Yeah. And then they had that shot in the pregame of the Sharks dressing room with all of the sweaters hanging there. And I thought to myself, you know what? That looks pretty sharp. And it's just the more and more I see of it, the more and more I like it, which I've had a harder time doing with the black sweater in particular. Right. Well, but this, this even with an alternate crest, you know, this isn't the right. classic Sharks logo. Right. This is the first time they've done something different and i again i had some hesitation but i like it well it's it's for me it's the small details right it's the northern california patch on the shoulders i loved that when they brought it out in 2015 for the right. stadium series game and i actually i think i even bought a shirt with that logo on it because i'm like this is this could actually be like an alternate logo for your franchise and actually the the, the fin with the circle, which is the crest, that was one of my favorite shoulder alternate, you know, or patches and alternate logos of the original Sharks jerseys from back in the day. So it's got so many little features of things that, that I don't know, are meaningful to me, I feel like. And <laughs> and that little, um, what do they call it, a dyed yarn-esque right. uh, uh, pattern feature near the near the waistband and on the sleeves. I, I just, I really, look, we all saw the leaks. We, we heard about the leaks. We saw the things that were floated out there. And actually, when I saw I said, 
okay, I hope that's actually what they don't tease me because <laughs> this better be right because I like it. And then I, well, I found out a little while earlier, but you know what? It all was right. And I'm glad it came out like it did. Yeah. It came out very nicely. And the only thing that bums me out about it is it's not immediately correlated with a win in their first time all wearing right, it gotta go ted that's the end yeah, of uh, see you, Brody, my time have a good one. i didn't want to talk about so that. this this is what i was doing <laughs> in the background of our conversation on the post game show and as i was changing clothes as a broadcaster i think too much i'm sure you're probably guilty of this as well but i was thinking about how trends become narratives oh, and boy. If we talk about the Sharks' offense this year, early on they were not scoring. That trend has become a narrative. And we also look at the early season Sharks and we see these lapses where in 90 seconds they're giving up one or two or sometimes even more goals. And that was another thing that's reared its head in this game where they gave up a pair of goals over the course of 90 seconds. And that trend from early on has been a narrative of the season, just like the early period goals and late period goals. And we saw a few of those trends rear their head in in this game, um, obviously the goal with 12.9 seconds left, the most damaging, but I can't help but focus a little bit more on the two goals uh, that they gave up in the first period after they had the lead, and it seemed like they just let all momentum be taken away from them. They're just a team that is not matured as much as some others, and that's not a disrespect to any of the players um, or, or even Mike Greer and what he's trying to do and reconstruct the roster, how everybody would like it, but they're a team that is going to surprise you in some games by doing what they did to Calgary literally last game. And I don't want to say tonight they surprised you the other way in a negative direction. I mean, look, they were down 3-1 in this game, to your point. Getting the next two, I thought, was a statement. Unfortunately, allowing the final one with 12 seconds left was also a statement. This is a Columbus team we just watched tonight that is vulnerable to comebacks. Mm -hmm. 22 games where they had leads they ultimately lost is that my saying that's that right that's it's, right correct. It's, hard, it's hard to define actually that but it just goes to show you i mean that's like a, a third well probably between a half and a third of their games this year that uh, they've had a lead and lost and so the sharks were able to do what they did tonight i'm glad they did it but again it's just a team that's going to surprise you with success sometimes and it's going to let you down with Situations where you say, I think you're, you guys are better than that, but but that's the part of growth here, and that's what we're witnessing this year. And I think all this goes with the caveat of, okay, we just might, I just subtracted Tomas Schertl and Logan Couture from you know your top six tonight, your two top centermen, and the fact that they are scoring six goals last game and three goals this game, and Duclair had a pair tonight, and Cunnan had a pair last game. Um, and Zadina, you know what? Zadina, again, looked sharp tonight in that first period. A couple one-timers he fired off. I, I agree with you. He didn't score tonight, but the four-point game and the two-goal game last time out maybe opened up his confidence, and we'll see what he does in the next couple of games. But you know what you just did unintentionally was point to another trend by saying no Couture and no Hurdle. The injuries were a trend early on. Yeah. It's become a narrative of the season. They're just not going to be healthy all, all like, year. Not We've gonna not have... been able to see the complete charts. <laughs> no, they're not going to have the full squad together all year long. And look, even if they did, Ted, right? Let's be very honest. How many more wins does that get them? Yeah, probably a couple here and yeah. there, realistically. But not going to overall change the course of the season. Um, I don't know. I feel I, I feel like it's disrespectful to start the Macklin Celebrini conversations. But at some point, you know, you're going through a season like this, and you you want to be 
rewarded with the consolation of something, right? And that's the way the NHL works, and that's how teams rebound and and get better and get themselves. I mean, look at the Red Wings, right? right. They were so good for so long, didn't have high draft picks, then they struggled for a bunch of years, and all of a sudden the Red Wings are picking, you know, higher up in the the top ten, top fifteen. That's something they never did for decades. So um, that that's the design of how you're supposed to get back. In the meantime, I don't think anybody's trying any less for San Jose, but I would love to see the franchise and the fans get rewarded. I think that while talking about the future of that reward, you have to look at the short term, which is what is coming up on March 8th. Capo uh, Kakinen did not have his greatest night tonight, but there was some less than stellar defense in front of him. Also a screen. That last goal just kind of trickled through, where you could also say there should have been more of a uh, defensive slowdown happening to keep uh, Boone Jenner from uh, getting all the way down uh, as easily as he did he's had two really good performances back to back how much is that catching the eye of other teams around the league and then Anthony Duclair whose name has been in these talks all year long he has a two goal game how much is that raising the eyebrows of scouts and GMs around the league well let's begin with Kakinen. I mean first off I hope any scout is looking at the stats of the season and also considering them with a grain of salt because like the team defense hasn't been good or the quote run support uh, in terms of wins and losses and I always say this too I mean it's such a disclaimer but like in baseball a pitcher has an earned run average if a defender behind a pitcher makes a mistake it does not go against Correct. the earned run average but if some of your skaters hang you out to dry in the NHL that hurts your save percentage and your goals against average so um, I would hope that scouts are doing the eye test with Kakinen. I I hope they're also looking at the high danger um, uh, shots faced and save percentage in those scenarios. And, you know, I, I go back to the Sharks in the Stanley Cup year, adding some goaltending depth down the stretch. And that's what teams that are feeling themselves are feeling a playoff run. Mm-hmm. And they like their number one. They really like their number one. But maybe their number two has an injury issue here in the final couple weeks uh, before the deadline. Or or maybe they're just not confident in their number two. They think they can upgrade their number two situation. I think that's where Kakinen fits in perfectly let's be honest he's well, not gonna, he's not going to be a team starter uh, a, no, a competitive team if starter we go back to a year ago did you have Aiden Hill penciled in as being uh, Vegas's uh, horse to ride sore subject Ted did you I'm have just, to bring but any- no but I mean that's the thing is like these teams who are looking for a number two they have to also make that consideration can this number two be a guy who potentially gets hot I think Kappa would fit that bill does but. Aiden Hill have the highest save percentage right now in the NHL yeah and I mean does he, he have the lowest goals against I, he, I think he is the guy guys. and I can go back actually he was the guy that I did not want to let go of at that timeline but uh, you know you don't you never know See, how things I, are going to work out it was cut to me honestly in, in in reverse it was not a clear cut decision so well, okay let's transpose that on to now but he was hurt. Is That's it a, the thing. Is it a clear-cut decision on – I mean, we're, we're – you and I are basically trading Kakinen apparently right now. Oh, I, if, listen, if it was my <laughs> like thing – Blackwood is equally good and probably correct. sought after. And look, this is a compliment to both guys. This is not a knock. I'm just saying, are we – are we sure that Kakinen is the the trade bait? I, I I agree with you. I do think so. But look, why wouldn't why wouldn't Blackwood get some phone calls too? He's he's been great. Blackwood has been great. I think just it's the contract status of Capo versus McKenzie. Well, that's true. That's, and you know that's what? That's the main I'm, one. I'm honestly happy with both. But I especially, I, I think this is a, a a positive to say about Blackwood. I would have loved to have seen him as Sharks goalie in 2016. And not a knock against. Martin Jones because he got him to the cup final and he was great in that first 
year in San Jose, but how about 2017 or 18? Right. I think I think Mackenzie Blackwood is so good, it's not getting noticed because you know the rest of the team is having a rough year. Well, that's that's how it goes for all these guys, including Anthony Duclair. Okay, yeah, let's go back to him. Yeah. Well, that was to say you have Anthony Duclair, uh, Mario Ferraro is another name that's been bounced around. Yeah. Cal Granlin's name has been bounced around. I know that other teams have said or other phrasing has been used that alludes to Hoffman being seen with a better team maybe having a higher level right. of performance well and that's why the Sharks probably even went after, went after those certain players this past summer was to say all right you know if Hoffman or Duclair has a good year we want you to be a veteran we want you to have a good season for us and if it works out that you get to go finish your season somewhere else that's the way it's going to work out but I, I just you know Hoffman and Duclair if you're just looking at the numbers alone I, I don't know that I don't know what the return is you know I don't know what the value is there yeah. can I also plant this Easter egg in here Ted what would be the return value on Drew Remenda so this will be a <laughs> test right like if he gets this far in our podcast I'm sure he's going to listen to the first two or three minutes but if he gets to this point he's going to hear me saying this I will expect a text message a phone call Probably something with some vulgarity in it, but let's see if Drew hears this. Do we know for a fact, though, that Drew is listening to podcasts? You're right. He's a Luddite. <laughs> is it a Luddite? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, but apparently the Luddite terminology is uh, is not correct in the way that's been appropriated in Western culture. Oh. I've heard that it is. it was more about them using appropriate technology, uh, and they felt... He doesn't so- want any technology. No. Yeah. I mean, he's not on social media for a reason. He gets... Okay, let's pull back the curtain here. He gets so upset in our Sharks, like, broadcaster group text that when anybody like shares a piece of information and then other people give it thumbs up like yeah we got it we thank you for the message we appreciate your work <laughs> he hates that yeah like i i well i can't say exactly what the message i got today was randy sent the group something thanks randy and i said deal with it drew and then i got <laughs> something that i can't repeat in front of my son well yeah that happened that's all we've got time for this morning folks and wraps it up on another edition of morning tide Be sure to tune in on Monday afternoon at 12.30 for pregame coverage. 1 o'clock go time from the tank. A holiday afternoon matinee as the San Jose Sharks play host to the Vegas Golden Knights. And then we will be back with you on Tuesday morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide. Brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.